So um, as we get into these prophetic thoughts, these, these words that people are going to bring today, you know, for someone that's, um, you know, been ministering in the, in the prophetic for over 25 years, there's still so much lack of understanding about how the prophetic operates and even safeguards around things. You know, I've heard people give people prophetic words and I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, like the, the prophetic is for encouragement, is for exhortation, is for edification. Anything that's corrective or directive needs to be submitted to people. It's really important. That's why it says in Scripture that the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Just like, like Craig Brown was in the building on Wednesday and Thursday with Bailey doing the electrical. Like, I don't get a plumber to do the electrical. There might be a handyman around who can put his hand to many things. But when it comes to certain things, you need to go to someone who's actually gifted and actually skilled and trained in that area. Yep. It's the prophetic's the same. You know, I've, I've had people that, yeah, I mean, God, God, God can speak through anybody. Absolutely. And in fact, Scripture says that we can all prophesy. Absolutely. But it should be for edification, exhortation, you know, encouragement. It should be for those things where, you know, where, where you see your brother or sister and you see them in Christ and you see something, you know, and you speak a word of encouragement over them. You know, something that's from God that just lifts them up in their situation. That is the, the basic form of prophecy. But correcting and directing, we need safeguards because it says that everything should, should be established by two or three witnesses. So if someone comes to you and says, blah, 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 but there is no, you know, witness around that, then you just go, well, I'm just going to give that back to God and I'm going to see, you know, just going to leave it with him, you know? It's really important. So today, um, yeah, who's, who's, who's going first? So we've, we've got four people that love to sit in the presence of God, that love to listen to his voice. And I thought, what a great opportunity to ask them to share briefly what God has been saying to them as they start this year. Welcome, Julie, first, hey? We sang Captivated by the Bridegroom <laughs> and that's, that's where I'm <laughs> that's where God's led me in this. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at Song of Solomon, Solomon's chapter 2 and throughout the chapter he's, he's taken you to the banqueting house he shows you that he he will embrace you he will hold you and and then in chapter uh, verse 10 he says my beloved speaks this is the bridegroom my beloved speaks to me rise up my love my fair one and come away and then a couple of verses down after he says the winter's gone and and goes through that he says exactly the same thing, arise, my love, and come away. He's calling us to come. He wants us. The bridegroom is calling his bride, and he is going to make his bride ready. So the next verse says, so I'm reading from the Amplified. It's a little <laughs> long, but 
So I went with him. And when we were climbing the rocky steps up the hillside, my beloved shepherd said to me, Oh, my dove, while you are here in the seclusion of the clefts, in the solid rock, in the sheltered and secret place of the cliff, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And then he says, my t- the bride says, so my heart was touched and I fervently sang to him my desire. Take for us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards of our love, for our vineyards are in blossom. And then he says, my beloved is mine. But when we look at the, the where we, we come away, and many of us are going through mountains, going, go, and there is, it says here, climbing. While I'm climbing the rocky steps of the vineyard, my shepherd says to me, he speaks, he asks us, in that place, when you're climbing, when you're facing something really difficult, he's there. He's saying, come away. And I want to see your face. When he says, I want to see your face, he says, turn to me in the difficulties. We just climbed the mount this last week. And I didn't think I could do it because I'd been so sick and I wasn't able to climb. Um, and I'd had a leg injury. And, and I, I, each step I took, I, if I looked up, at the steep hill that was Mount, Mount Coulomb and there's just <laughs> steps going up and up and up and your heart's pounding and you're just going, <gasps> I just don't know if I can do this. I actually said that. <laughs> and then, then you come to a place where there's a tree jutting out and you can't see around the corner. You don't know what is there. And that's what God is saying He knows. He is there in the mountain. He wants to climb that mountain with you. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to see your face. Be real with him. When he says, let me see your face, bring all these things. Take the little foxes. Let him take the little foxes. We've got stuff. I wrote a few things out. We've got stuff that we hold back, we might hold it back. He knows every single way that he can deliver us from our every circumstance. We need to allow him and say, take for us the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. I don't want anything anything to spoil my relationship with you the bride is going to be perfect and we will be perfected and so she sings that song and and in that heart she's touched by him and she says yes take for us the little foxes and um and when we lay those things down that just are they're hard if we're looking at them 
they're hard. We can't, we can't do it ourselves. But he is here and he is ready and he just wants us to take that first step. Don't look at the mountain ahead of you. Take that first step. Go to the word. Find what he might say. Take a step of faith in that little step. And step by step, you will make it to the top of the mountain. And there, (laughs) there, you can say, my beloved is mine and I am his. Julie, that was beautiful. I think I follow on from there. So none of us know uh, what each has received from the Lord. So it's interesting. So the last two weeks, um, God's really been pressing on my heart about the Father's love. And um, the last two days I've been undone and I thought I was not going to make it. (laughs) I was getting undone at the seat there too. But... um, so Psalms 42.7 was the first scripture that I got a few weeks, a couple of weeks ago that's really been pressing on my heart where it talks about deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls and all your waves and billows have gone over me. Deep calls to deep. And that's, it. that's what God was really impressing on my heart was deep calls to deep. You know, there's a lot of stuff that is billowing over us at times and sometimes becomes quite turbulent. But God wants us to go deep. And then 1 John 3, Tim used last week was, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. But if you struggle with that, even that idea of, the Father, Father's love lavishing on you. Please come and see me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you about that. Because God really, really loves you. Now, this is the word that I got a couple of weeks ago. I am calling you, my children, to come closer, deeper with me, to hear my heartbeat. I am calling you to immerse yourselves in my love and presence. Step into the realm of my presence and lay down your agendas and allow me to speak to you spirit to spirit. It is in this place of deep calls to deep that my love can saturate your being and you can exchange your cares, your worries, pains for my love, wisdom and peace. I am calling my children, my people in this season to come away with me and saturate like a sponge soaked in water, saturate in my spirit and my presence. I desire that from that place my children, my people will walk in my love, my power, my fire and they will see signs, wonders and miracles bursting out like never before. This is not a one-day wonder, but my holy habitation with my people. 
for they have sought my face and my presence. They will be a people who carry the fire of God wherever they go. And yes, I will send them out far and wide and they will carry the fire of the Holy Spirit for they are a people who hunger and thirst for my presence. There is coming a shaking and a realigning of things to fill the gaps, to fill the spaces so more can be added. This shaking and realignment requires humble hearts, hearts sold out to me so that what I, the Lord, have for this region can be fulfilled. It requires humble and surrendered hearts, for this is my work, says the Lord. Deep calls to deep. It is in this place of deep worship, deep surrender, that I, the Lord, will, will touch those deep places of your heart. You will be strengthened and refreshed and receive the love you are longing for. There is no limit to my love. My love for you is everlasting. Just going to hold it, it's a lot easier. I feel a bit bad following that. I was in there, that was good. The Oxford Dictionary, it states that insanity is defined as repeating a behaviour or an action over and over and expecting a different outcome. Two weeks ago, I got to start the service, it was very exciting. I talked about New Year's resolutions and how much I hate them Um, and how so many people who make these New Year's resolutions end up failing at them or just breaking them in general. The problem that occurs with these resolutions is that people are expecting a new outcome. But the only change that they make is the date. Now, I'm pretty sure dates change quite regularly. It's kind of how the days, the weeks, the months and the years actually work. So, how can anyone expect a New Year's resolution or a goal which hasn't worked out or been even remotely successful throughout the previous year to all of a sudden work? Sure, as I said before, repeating an action without any change and expecting a new result is insanity. And technically, yes, the change of a date is a change. So, therefore, it could produce a different result but really, I read a quote once that really hit home to me. I actually mentioned it at a men's breakfast just recently as well. Instead of saying, I don't have time, try saying, it's not my priority. And see how that sits. Because if it doesn't sit right, it's not supposed to. It's kind of the point. We could substitute, I don't have time, for it didn't work out or, yeah, I tried that. So, looking back on these New Year's resolutions, why do most resolutions fail? It's the combination of repetitive behaviour and realistically 
it not being a priority. We don't put enough effort into creating enough change to produce the different result. The outcome is the same, and it will always be the same. In the Gospels, usually around chapters 18 and 19-ish, Jesus is talking to a young man. This man happens to be rich, very rich. Now a young man came to Jesus and said, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. And if you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honour your mother and father and love your neighbour as yourself. All, all of these I've kept, the young man said. So what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go. Sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. The young man heard this and he went away sad. Now, this man had done it all. He was rich, he was successful, he was smart, he followed the law, he had done all the right things. But even through all this, he knew there was still more to life. No doubt he'd spent time trying to sort it out himself. <laughs> Why not? It worked for him in basically every other aspect of his life. He'd gone to the right person who he had heard could help him. He went to Jesus. It's a pretty good thing to do. He had all the right intentions. He stepped all the right steps until the last one. In Matthew 14, 22 to 32, a pretty incredible, incredible miracle takes place. Jesus walks on water. Wow. I don't know if anyone's really comprehended that. You hear that a lot, yeah, Jesus walked on water. He walked on water, like on the water. It's pretty impressive stuff. He wasn't just strolling around the edge of the shore. and He was walking in the middle of a lake past a boat full of his disciples who were straining at the oars trying to move the boat forward in a serious stormy headwind. So it wasn't just like a nice flat calm or a really shallow... It was in the middle of a lake. So Jesus was walking on past them and the disciples were shocked. Funny that. Let's face it, it's not a normal place to see your teacher or your pastor walking around. So when Peter asked if it was him and if it was him to call him, Peter, out on the water to him... Jesus, following the hymns, yeah, that's a big deal. And as we know, Peter walked on water. So, what's the difference between the rich young man and Peter? One step. You can have all of the information, you can have all the best teaching, that's why you're here, you can hear everything and even understand it. But unless you intentionally take the step, what's the point? Oh, 
sermon is great. Oh, it feels so good. Anywho, back to the same old, same old. Wow, oh, that worship. Oh, I feel so alive. Cool. There's a saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink it. No matter how thirsty he may be. No. I'll get there, it's all good. It's only three pages, I'm fine. Uh, Yeah, you can't make him drink it, no matter how thirsty he might be. You can be given prophetic words, sermons divinely inspired, Holy Spirit-led worship. But unless you take that step, what is the point of you coming? Seriously, what's the point? Sure, it might be comfortable cruising along, enjoying people's fellowship, having a good bit of food. Ah, it's awesome. But if you want to grow, if you want to go somewhere, if you want to advance, if you don't want to be stagnant, you need to move. Have you ever smelt a stagnant swamp or a creek? It stinks. It's horrible. But have you seen a rushing river? Have you seen its power? Have you seen its strength, its beauty, its movement? Tim's mentioned this river of God which has been flowing. And there's been heaps of prophetic words about it. And people speaking about it. And guess what? It's flowing right now. Times are changing. Things are happening. If you, are you going to start moving with the strength and the power of God's river? Or are you going to stay put and stink in a swamp of repetitive insanity? To the Ecclesia, the Congregation of Restoration Centre. Prepare your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behaviour. Because it is written, you should be holy for I am holy. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you're entering to possess it. But if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you should surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing to enter and possess it. There are two ways, one of life and one of death. However, there is a great difference between the two ways. Now, the way of life is this. First, you shall love God who made you. Second, you shall love your fellow as yourself. Whatever you do not want to happen to you, do not do to one another. 
this is the teaching about these matters. Speak well of those who speak ill of you and pray for your enemies. Fast for those who persecute you. For what special favor do you merit if you love those who love you? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? However, you are to love those who hate you and you will not have any enemies. Restrain yourself from natural and physical inclinations. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other to him and you will be complete. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. If someone takes away your cloak, give him your tunic also. If someone takes away what is yours, do not demand it back, for you are not even able to get it back. Give to whoever asks and do not demand it back, for the Father wants to give of his own gifts to everyone. Contentment awaits one who gives according to the commandment, for he is blameless. How terrible for one who takes. For anyone who has a need and takes will be blameless. But one who does not have a need will give an account as to why he took it and for what purpose. And when he is put into prison, he will be questioned thoroughly about what he has done. And he will not get out from there until he has paid the last penny. But regarding this, it has also been said, let your donation sweat in your hands until you know to whom to give it. And the second commandment of the teaching is, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not practice pedophilia, do not commit sexual immorality, do not steal, do not practice magic, do not use potions, do not murder children through abortion, nor kill them after they have been born. Do not cover the things that belong to your fellow. Do not swear falsely. Do not bear false witness. Do not slander anyone. Do not hold grudges. Do not be double-minded or double-tongued, for a double-tongue is a deadly, deadly trap. Do not let your word be false or empty, but let it be fulfilled in action. Do not be greedy or forcibly take that which you desire, or hypocritical or malicious or arrogant. Do not plot evil against your fellow. Do not hate any human being, but some you are to rebuke and some you are to pray for, yet some you are to love even more than your own life. My child, flee from all evil and everything like it. Do not be an angry person, for anger leads to murder, nor be envious, nor adversarial, nor hot-tempered, for from all these things murder results. My child, do not be a lustful person, for lust leads to sexual immorality, nor be foul-mouthed, nor one who looks up at women, for from all these things adultery results. My child, do not be a diviner, because this leads to idolatry, nor be one who casts spells, nor one who studies astrology, nor one who performs purification rites. Do not even desire to see these things, for from all these things idolatry results. My child, do not be a liar, because lying leads to theft, nor be one who loves money, nor be glory-seeking, for from all these things theft results. My child, do not be a complainer, because this leads to blasphemy, nor be egocentric, nor one who is intent on evil and gives voice to wicked intent. For, for, for from all these things, blasphemy results. Rather be humble because the humble will inherit the earth. Be patient, merciful, gentle, quiet and good-natured, always trembling at the words that you have heard. Do not make yourself appear greater than you are, nor give overconfidence to yourself. Do not connect yourself with the lofty, but rather associate with the righteous and lowly. Accept the things that happen to you as being for the good, knowing that nothing happens apart from God. My child, remember night and day the teacher who speaks the word of God to you 
and esteem him as the Lord, for where lordship is spoken of, there the Lord is. And every day seek the presence of the righteous so that you may lean upon their words. Do not crave conflict, but bring those who are quarreling to peaceful reconciliation. Judge righteously. Do not show partiality when rebuking transgressions. Do not be indecisive as to whether or not your judgment is correct. Do not be one who stretches out his hand to receive, but then pulls them back in regard to giving. If you have the means, give a ransom for your sins. Do not hesitate to give and do not complain when giving, for you will find out who is the good payer of wages. Do not turn away someone who is in need, rather share all things in common with your brother. Do not claim ownership, for if you are common partners in, in what is immortal, how much so in what is mortal? Do not withhold your hand from your son or daughter, but teach them the fear of God from their youth. Do not harshly give orders to your servant or maid who put their hope in the same God, or else they might lose their fear of God, who is over both of you. For God does not intend to call anyone according to his status. Rather, he calls those who the, whom the Spirit has prepared. And as for you, servants, submit yourselves to your masters in humility and fear, as they are an example of the authority of God. You shall hate every form of hypocrisy and everything that does not please the Lord. Do not forsake the commandments of the Lord, but keep what you have received, neither adding to nor subtracting from it. Confess your transgressions in the assembly, and you will not draw near in prayer with a guilty conscience. This is the way of life. But this is the way of death, which is first of all evil and full of curses, murder, adultery, lust, sexual immorality, theft, idolatry, magic, use of potions, robbery, false witness, hypocrisy, duplicity, deceit, arrogance, malice, egocentrism, greed, foul speech, jealousy, overconfidence, loftiness and pretension. It is the way of those who persecute good, those who hate truth, those who love falsehood, those who are ignorant of the wages of righteousness, those who do not cling to what is good or to the righteous judgment, those who keep watch for not, not for good but for wickedness, those who are far from being considerate and persevering, those who love frivolous things, those who seek repayment, those who are merciless to the poor, those who do not trouble themselves for the oppressed, those who do not recognize the one who made them, those who murder children, those who corrupt what God has formed, those who turn away the needy, those who oppress the greatly distressed, those who are advocates of the wealthy and those who are lawless judges of the poor, those who are utterly sinful. Children, may you be rescued from all of these. See that no one leads you astray from this way of teaching because he does not teach you according to God. If you can bear the whole yoke of the Lord, you will be complete. But if you cannot, then do what you can. Concerning food, bear what you can, but scrupulously guard yourself from what has been offered to idols because it is the worship of dead gods. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice and holding fast to him. For this is your life and the length of your days, that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. This is the word of the Lord.
just before Christmas, on the 21st of, um, 21st of December, I uh, just been praying for, for quite some time for the new building for the church. And, um, and um, I sat down on the, on the 21st and the Lord became so close to me at that time and uh, the Lord sort of spoke to me and said, this will be my tabernacle where my power will, will come alive. In great ways. And um, so the Lord, uh, Joy was with me and she, she gave me Haggai 2.9, which, which talks about the temple, God's temple. And he said this, God compared this to his temple and he, he called it, he called it his tabernacle. And um, this is what the Lord gave me. <coughs> I have laid my hand upon many and drawn them and drawn them to be part of my holy tabernacle. My heart is very strong upon upon many when my when my glory will enfold you and you will see what I see and many will come to be come to the very depths of my kingdom. Eyes will be opened to see the glory of my presence. Ears will hear many revelations that I will speak to them. For for my heart is is filled with overflowing for you, my church. As, as I stretch out my hand towards each one in the fire of my hand, hand as, as I touch will anoint. In many abundant ways to open, open doors to many places and draw many to my kingdom. Come in my presence in, in these times to come as you, you will look to my word in the abundance the abundance will flow flow upon the pages like it has never done before as it touches as it touches your spirit a new day will dawn that will bring the fire upon my kingdom and many hearts will see that fire and be bowed down in humbleness before me Come close, ever closer, ever closer, day by day, and and my glory will will enfold you and strengthen you in these coming times. My kingdom will glory in the presence in the presence of my love and mercy and peace. Come, come, come to me ever closer in my kingdom. Amen.
Well, it's my job to put that all together without knowing what they were talking about. What is the theme? Different expressions of the theme, but what is the theme? The theme is that that the Lord wants all of us. If he has all of us, we'll desire to seek his face. We, We desire to be in those places in those times. If he has all of us, you know, we're going to see, um, we're going to see the greater things. We, like we're going to see the glory of God. We're going to see the manifestation of things. We're going to see some things that we've been praying and longing to see. If he truly has our heart, we don't want to just do what we've always done. We want to keep growing. We want to keep stepping forward. We want to be all that God has for us to be. If he... If he has our heart, we don't want to walk in ways that are not his. He's put his spirit in us. He, put a, he, he, he gave us a new heart. He doesn't want us to walk in the ways of the world, but he wants us to, to walk in the ways of righteousness according to his spirit. And we're going to be the salt and light of a world that is getting increasingly darker. He wants all of us, doesn't he? Every single part of us. The, the fires, the things, the trials, the tests, the stuff that's been going on, it's like we always have a choice in that. Do we turn away from God or do we turn to God? And you're, you probably know many people that have been through situations in their life and they've turned away from God. I've, I've seen people who, who were once, well, I thought were once walking so close to God, turn so far away to God that they deny Him. But his heart for us is to turn to him daily, every circumstance, every situation. We turn to him, that we would be a generation who seek his face. That it wouldn't just be the young people that would be ascenders, that would ascend their hill, but that we would be a generation. The second song we sang today is that we will be a generation calling down the rain of heaven. He wants all of us. And we're going to see what he's going to do. Is there an amen? We don't just need more knowledge. We need wisdom. And I want to leave you with this thought today because wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. You can have a lot of knowledge, but if you have no wisdom, you're still going to miss stuff. We need wisdom. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. You know, God is not a formula. Jesus didn't perform miracles by formulas. He performed miracles by hearing the Father's voice and being obedient to what the Father was saying and then doing those things. And sometimes he would, you know, make mud pies and sometimes he would spit. And there was all kinds of ways that Jesus performed miracles because he wanted us to know that that it's not about a formula, you know, but it's about a relationship. It's about intimacy and God is calling his people across this nation back to the place of relationship, back to the place of intimacy. Christianity is not a religion, it is a relationship that has been made possible by Jesus Christ. And out of that relationship there is life, there is hope, there is peace, there is joy, there's everything that we need. And it's, and it's time in these days for the church to come back to be in that place of first love with Jesus and out of that place that we would enter into everything that he has for us, for his kingdom's sake and for his glory. The sons of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12 verse 32, it says that they not only knew the times and the seasons, but they knew what to do. 
There are plenty of people that know times and seasons, but they, that there's not that many that know what to do. And this is why there is a place for leadership. There is a place for wise counsel. There is a place for these things in the body of Christ because we need wisdom. Wisdom is found in the multitude of counsel, Solomon wrote. We need wisdom. That we would be like men of Issachar who not only knew the times and the seasons, but we knew what to do. Because the simple truth is that God is speaking. He's speaking to us. He's speaking to His people. He's speaking to the church around the globe. He's speaking to each and every one. And we need to have a heart that is humble. We need to have a heart that is positioned. We need to have a heart that is yielded and say, God, here we are. All of us, God. Every single part of us. Every hurt. Every pain. Every area of unforgiveness every area of shame, every area of guilt, every area of pride, every area, just give it to Him. He takes it all. He is so good and He is so kind. As we give it to Him, He takes it all. Come you who are weary and heavy burden, come, come. Come all you who are weary and heavy burden, come. Come, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Isn't that a walk? Learn from Him. He is the great teacher. He's the great prophet. He's the great apostle. He's the great pastor. He's the great evangelist. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Learn from Him. So my word in closing before, as we sing a song today in response is that God has instilled in, in each and every one of us a sense of purpose. He's instilled gifts. He's given us grace. There are dreams. There are visions. There are things that are bubbling on the side of us. There are prayers that, have, that we have prayed until we've cry, and, like, and we've cried until we've had no more tears. There is a stirring of God that is beginning to happen in people. And it's happening here amongst you. It's on the heart of God to see those things. Our position is just to come and to seek His face and to listen to His voice and to do what He says. It's to get out of the boat and walk on water. It's to step out of the fear and the timidity and the things that have held us back, the shame and the guilt, and that we would begin to walk on water. It would be that we live no longer according to the flesh and no longer according to our own desires, but we live according to the Spirit. And the people said, the people said, Amen. Amen. Oh, that's right, I'm on the keyboard again. I'm really thankful I'm not on the keyboard next week. I mean, I like the keyboard. Sometimes I'd rather just do other stuff. <laughs>